Hi, I'm Sean Smallman. Welcome to Dispatch 7, Global Trends on All Seven Continents. You can find Dispatch 7 on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hello. Hey, it's so good to talk to you. How are you doing? Today I interviewed Rosa David, who was my student at Portland State University, both as an undergrad and as a grad student. She's currently teaching in Columbia and has just been accepted into multiple PhD programs. I think she's the perfect person to talk to about the graduate school application process. Well, Rosie, thank you so much for being the first guest on this podcast. Um, Rosie, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your recent grad school application experience? Yeah, so my name is Rosie. Um, I'm currently teaching and living in Bogota, Colombia. Um, but I've kind of lived all over the place. I did my undergraduate studies and my master's at Portland State University. Um, and I'm a first generation college student, so I've had to learn how to self advocate and also navigate the educational system um, from the very beginning. And I am finally at a point in my career that I believe it's time to go back to school because I personally feel I've taken my master's degree as far as I can, which was a piece of advice um, someone who I really respect gave me. They said that you should go as far as you can with your degree, with the degree you have, or if you feel that you're making a shift in your career, then it's time to go back to school. So I'm kind of in that spot. And what strategies would you suggest for applying to grad school? Oh, wow. This is a difficult question, but I have a few um, pointers that I think would really help. So the first thing that I think is important is there are many different types of programs, right? And there are many different schools that are going to house programs that may be interesting to you. So I would say spend a great deal of time really reading about programs and researching programs. And you need to ask yourself a few questions such as who do I want to work with and what kinds of classes do I want to take? What length of program do I be in? Because there's different models of different programs in different countries. Um, and so that's important to think about. So for instance, in the United States, you'll notice that there's um, more coursework than if you were to go to school in Europe. Do you want a PhD that's based more on research? Or do you want a PhD that has a balance between those two things? Um, I think it's also important to really think about what you want to do afterwards. And you really need to be able to articulate this idea, not only for your personal statement, but also so that you can really start thinking about that in relationship to the program you choose after you start getting acceptances. Um, I would say start emailing professors early. Write a very personalized letter to them where you share your CV um, and make sure that your CV is up to, up to date and follows APA and is very professional and academic. Um, part of the reason I suggest this is you want to be able to not only outline who you are and your research interests and why you're interested in their program, but you want them to also see that you didn't just reach out to them out of nowhere, that you know who they are and you understand how your research not only aligns with their school, but with them and with your future endeavors. 
What did you learn from the first application that you submitted? I think that your first application, this was a piece of advice from one of my mentors, should be a school that you're not in love with. It's not your first choice. It may, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be last choice, but it shouldn't be your first choice because I can tell you from my own experience, you are going to make mistakes. Um, <laughs> I could go into a whole blooper reel of mistakes you will make, but you will make mistakes. There may be a spelling typo that you will um, beat yourself up over for months like me. And it's important to get those mistakes out of the way and also understand the application process. The first application is the hardest for many reasons. Number one, your research statement or personal statement or research intent. I can't remember the other phrase they use. It's all the same thing. Um, statement of intent? As, yeah, there you go. The statement of intent. It's not as detailed and it's not perfect the first time around, no matter how much time you spend on it. And it gets better every time you write it and rewrite it and edit it to fit the different needs. So... That's another reason why also every school has different criteria. Some schools are gonna want you to separate your research questions from your personal statement. Some schools are gonna require that you send um, the transcripts from all of your universities prior. Some are not. So there's all these factors that you have to keep in. And so it's important that you do the first application. That may be a school that you're interested in, but it's not your first choice. What else could I say? Start early. The earlier, the better. You know, it took me a couple years finally to get to a place where I was ready to apply. And I don't regret the amount of time I took preparing for the application because I was certain about the schools I wanted to apply. Um, and I had been keeping notes for a long time. So it's important to have both physical notes and electronic notes. The physical notes are where you jot down your ideas as you have them and when you're reading about different scholars and different classes and different things you wanna keep track of. But it's also important to have like an Excel sheet where you keep all of the information such as um, due dates, do they need transcripts? Where are the websites that you're going to need to have easy access to? How much are the fees? Just, you know, like, easy information that you're going to need to, going to need to keep track of as you apply and make sure that you read the hard requirements, like considering the courses, right? We often apply to programs being like, oh, this scholar's there and this scholar is perfect for me. And then you get accepted and you think about the coursework and the coursework might not align with your goals after all. And you may have, um, not only wasted your time, but also maybe the faculty's time. How did you craft your personal statement and what kind of help did you get? You should have more than one person that you trust um, and knows you both on the personal and professional level read your statement so that your they know that your voice is clear and they can give you honest feedback on how to strengthen it. And with the personal statement, don't be afraid to make it personal. It shouldn't read as if it's a research paper. It should come from you. And make sure, finally, that you ask for your letters of recommendation early and you give the people who will be writing on your behalf 
plenty of time because this is not an easy task. And also to make sure that you know how to retrieve your transcripts quickly. <laughs> what about how many schools you should apply to and how do you choose them? Because this is probably the most common question that I get from uh, students who are thinking about applying to graduate school. So this question's really hard. <laughs> um, <and laughs> I think I took a different route than many people. As most of you probably already have heard, the the advice, the standard advice is choose five to seven programs, right? Choose five to seven, you right. five to six, and you apply to those. Um, and make sure you have a couple safe choices and a couple reach towards the stars programs. But I actually took different advice. I had a really long list of programs. I think I had nine. And I ended up applying to, I think it was eight. I keep getting that number confused. Anyway, I applied between to seven or eight. And as I was going through the applications, I, prior to, I prioritized the applications by, of course, the due date, but also my level of interest. Um, and there came a time where I was like, uh, I've applied to all the schools that really, really matter to me. And mm -hmm. I've gone through the process and I feel confident enough in myself to know that I'll get a couple offers. And I think there were still about three schools that I was considering applying to that I ended up not applying to. If you're going to apply to more schools, make sure you have a couple extra people to recommend or write on your behalf, um, whether it's a colleague or a professor, because you are going to burn out the people who are supporting you <laughs> in this process. They will tell you that they will write the letters and they will and and they want to. But it is a lot of work, not only for you as the person applying, but also for those people who have mentored you or supported you thus far, because they're not just sending a letter. You have to remember that they're also filling out a questionnaire about you as a professional and about you and your potential abilities as a student. And that's time consuming. Yeah. And, and I do think that thinking through sort of these practical questions is really important. What about reaching out to the faculty in the department you're applying to? Um, do you think that helps? And if so, what's the best way do you think to do that? So that was my greatest strength, I think, in my applications. I actually think the majority of the schools I was accepted to and offered funding to was because of the amount of time I put into um, communicating with the person who I really admired. Um, I did this a variety of ways. The first piece of advice I would give to someone is make sure you are familiar with the person's work and that you deeply understand it and you have thoroughly and widely read their work because otherwise you're reaching out to someone without having um, a strong understanding of their work mm -hmm. and their research. And that's really important in this. And it's important that you're able to think about yourself from three different perspectives as you're writing to them. What you've already done to highlight what you've been doing since you finished maybe your undergraduate or master's degree. Um, and why is this important as you move forward in your career? What is it that you want to research in your graduate studies? 
and make sure that's different enough from the research that they're already doing. Of course, it's a compliment when someone says, oh, I want to do the exact same thing as you, but that's not what scholars are looking for um, when they're thinking about potential candidates. They're thinking about what's interesting and new that you bring to the table, right, that other students may not be bringing. And then also think about the really difficult question, which is what do you want to do with the information that you will acquire as a graduate student after you graduate? Um, this question I was asked in every single interview I had for graduate programs and is probably the most difficult. And so you need to be able to write this very structured, um, but I guess it's like formal and informal letter that highlights who you are, why you're interested in their work, how you are, how you became familiar with who they are and what they're doing and why you've chosen to reach out to them. In that letter, it would be important to ask them if they're accepting students at that point, And if they're not, um, who, who they would point you in the direction of. So for instance, there was someone who I really admired and she had recently chosen to retire and she wasn't accepting students, but she shared with me that she'd be willing to be a reader on my committee if I still chose to go to her school. However, she wasn't going to be supervising graduate students anymore. And she gave me a list of names and she also helped me by giving me e-introductions, which really helped me develop other relationships with other professors for potential um, possibilities to study with them. It's also, if you have the opportunity, I think it's also important to think about how you can reach out to them and meet them in some way, shape or form. So if you're going to be going to conferences where these scholars are going to be, do not be afraid to introduce yourself. Likewise, even before you get accepted to a program, if you have the opportunity to go to the school and see the school and meet these professors, email them, schedule meetings, meet them. Remember, a face to a name is important and developing a, a rapport is important. I would also say if you don't have that opportunity, that asking for a phone conversation or a Skype conversation, a Zoom conversation, really also strengthens these relationships. But it's important to really show the connection of how you're familiar with them and why. Make sure that you prioritize contacting people at universities where you really, really want to go. So if you're only going to take the time to contact professors at three universities, but you're planning on applying to five, make sure those three universities where you do email people and you do establish relations are your top choices because those are the people who are not only going to remember your names, but are going to advocate to have you because you're going to have made an impression on them. Um, again, make sure that you read widely and thoroughly through these programs and the research that has come out of those programs and not only the research of the professors in those departments, but their graduate students. I think that it was, it ended up being more important to me to read the dissertations or to skim <laughs> the dissertations and the topics that students were doing in the programs I applied to, because at the end of the day, you're not necessarily 
comparing yourself to the work that the scholars in the department are doing, but the work that previous graduate students have done. Well, Rosie, you're someone who just received multiple offers. And I think that um, that gives you a, a really interesting perspective on that moment. It's a difficult moment when people get more than one offer. What do you think people should think about when they're making that decision? Yeah, that's hard. And it's probably been the hardest part because I think when you're applying, you oftentimes feel like you're not going to get that many offers. You're like, okay, I got to keep applying. I got to keep doing this, right? Because we all, we all want to have more than one choice at the end of the day. But if you're applying and you really go through these steps and you put a lot of time into this and think things through, more than likely you're going to get more offers than you are expecting. And so there are five factors that I really think are important. Number one, and everybody says this, is funding. Now, I had one of my mentors say to me that if a graduate program doesn't fund you, it's for one of two things. A, they don't believe in your work, which I don't know if I agree with that. And B, the school may not have the resources um, to really push forward with their graduate programs, which is something to think about. Um, so funding is really important that at least you're getting enough funding where your studies are paid for. Number two, faculty. Who are you going to get to work with and why would you want to work with these people? Because remember the people that you work with, the relationship should continue on after your graduate studies are over, right? Because they're invested in you and you're also invested in them. And so it's, it's a two-way street and it's a mentorship. So think about who you're going to, if when you're thinking about who you're going to work with, what kinds of relationships do they have? What kind of relationships can you develop with them? And how will that help you get to the next step of your career? Now, another thing that I didn't think about as much as I should have was coursework. I was just excited about primarily who I was going to get to work with and money, right? Because <laughs> I've been a poor graduate student before. But coursework is like the defining um question for me now as I make my choices, because sometimes if you're looking at programs that are really similar to the classes or to the programs you've already been in, so if you're going from a school of education um, to applied linguistics or vice versa, there may be some crossover in your classes and there may not. So it's important to look at it and be like, how many of the same courses am I going to have to take over again? Did I enjoy those classes? Would it be a nightmare to take some of those classes over again? So really question the requirements of the program. Will, will you be happy taking those classes? Um, another question that's really important to think about is your own lifestyle and where you're going to be living because this is not a short-term two-year program. This is four to five-year commitment. And so it's important to know that you're going to be comfortable living in that town or that city for the duration of your PhD. Um, finally, I think it's important to really think about employment opportunities, graduation rate, and length. So what do I mean by rate? How many people actually complete the program? Length, how long does it generally take people to finish? Do they actually finish in four years or does it take five years? And finally, where do 
their students work now. And websites will show this. Also, I think it's important to really reach out to students from the program, both that are in the program today and people who have completed the program. Now, why are both of those important? Number one, if you've been in a program for a long period of time, you know that we all end up having a love-hate relationship with our faculties, even <laughs> if we're in the perfect program for us, right? It's hard. It's hard to love your program all the time, especially when you're doing something as daunting as a PhD. So it's important to hear students who are in the process um, of getting their PhD. It's important to hear their experiences, but it's also important to hear the experiences of someone who has finished the program and has got to use their PhD and to hear their advice. Um, I spoke to a woman who completed one of the programs I was looking at and she was like, you know, I loved my program. I wish I had been able to do it in a shorter period of time, but I would not have started this program without having a full-time job because of the duration of the program. Her program ended up being about five and a half years. And she mentioned that by being out of the workforce, being able to, you know, build her 401k, that she felt like she was behind. Well, you've been kind of living this process for quite a long time. <laughs> what do you think was the most important things that you've learned from the whole experience? Well, you're going to beat yourself up from time to time because you're going to make mistakes. So that first application, just be okay that it's not going to be perfect and that you're going to learn from those mistakes um, and be prepared to make mistakes that you never thought you would make. Right. Like, for instance, if you're applying to a school internationally and they want you to have the transcripts at the same time as the application, if you're not careful with those transcripts, it could cost you a lot of money to get them there on time, like hundreds of dollars. That was one of my mistakes. Another mistake, you might have a typo that makes you really embarrassed, right? Like misspelling a word that you know you know how to spell. And for some reason, you didn't catch it on spell check. So it's okay. Hypothetically. And you're going to make mistakes. Um, something I've learned is by the time you get your first rejection, you're not even going to care, right? Like you, you will have already gone through all of these scenarios in your brain. And by the time the program, a program tells you that you're not the candidate they picked, you'll probably already decided that they weren't the school for you anyway, right? Um, also, Apply to programs and put the ones that are the lowest at the end of your list, right? So make sure at the very, the very first school you apply to is a school that you're interested in, but you're not going to cry or die or be deeply disappointed if you don't get in because that's your practice application. And then make sure that towards the middle of your application process that you are prioritizing your top schools. And finally, make sure that you keep a notebook with key information and use an Excel sheet or a table of some sort to really prioritize the information that you need to have at, at your fingertips as you apply. For instance, the link to the department, but also the link to the application because those links are different and the link to the requirements, due dates for materials and so forth. I have been advising students about graduate school for about 20 years, and 
there are so many points here that I haven't thought of. And um, I just want to congratulate you. And uh, I think that this is really excellent advice for uh, everybody who's thinking about going to graduate school. No, Thank my you. pleasure. Um, I learned a lot in this process. I just, I hope that people who listen to this will really um, believe in the process. It was something that I struggled with was believing in the process and, you know, that whole idea of being the little engine that could, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Um, as learners, we all need to have the autonomy to believe in ourselves. And at times in this application process, it feels um, a bit overwhelming. So I hope that the advice I've given will really support you and your application process. Thanks for listening to Dispatch 7, Global Trends on All Seven Continents. This is the first episode, so I'm still learning. Please share suggestions in the comments section wherever you listen. You can find Dispatch 7 on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.